0: Welcome to NL Full Time on this Remembrance Weekend, and lest we forget the people who fought in the World Wars and uh, remember them over this weekend. I'm Luke Edwards, though with some teams you'll want to forget what's happened this weekend. It's FA Cup first round weekend, and joining me, as always, is Dickie Wharton. Hello, Dickie. Hello there, Luke. And also joining us on the line is Tom Lang. Hello, Tom.
1: Hi, Luke. Hi, Dickie.
0: So we're going to look at the FA Cup first round As we record this, there are some ties taking place So we're going to look at the ties that took place on Saturday afternoon And also Friday evening and Tom Dulwich Hamlet, they were live on the BBC They had their big moment against a Carlisle United side Who've been struggling a little bit in League 2 But uh, it was the League 2 side who came out on top in the end
1: it was, um, and you know when we are talking about a struggling team, let's not forget Dulwich Hamlet are dead last in the form tables in uh, the National League South at the moment as well. So it was two teams who are struggling at the moment. Dulwich Hamlet have uh, lost five of their last nine. They haven't won since um, their three nil victory against Eastbourne Borough nearly two months ago now. So it would have been a huge upset for them to take victory there. But um, it sounds like they put up a good performance. It sounds like a couple of their players did make a mark. I know you. Uh, took an interest in Chapman in the midfield um, but the real story for Dulwich Hamlet of course is 3,330 plus people crowded into Champion Hill for that match um, Carlisle United their travelling fans coming down must have been really shocked by that but also there's always the uh, the old story isn't it when non-league teams get on the telly that they fill their grounds but this is nothing new for Dulwich Hamlet is it? We're, mm. we're always talking about them getting in excess of 2,000 for, for National League South matches so I think... Uh, It went through to the form books in the end with Carlisle getting a comfortable victory.
0: Yeah, I was speaking to somebody about this yesterday, and like you say, normally they they do fill the grounds for the first round, but I think Dulwich Hamlet's average attendance is something round. It's about two and a half thousand anyway, isn't it? So it's not much more Uh, than what they normally get, is it?
1: No, it's not. I mean, they're not quite selling out every game, but at the end of the day, if you're selling out every game, it's difficult to get a higher attendance when um, the FA Cup rolls around. So you know, I think they're operating about seventy-five percent capacity pretty much every game. So It's difficult for it to go too much higher than that.
0: Yeah, uh, the next tie we're going to look at is another southern side, and they took on Boston United and it was a comfortable win for the National League north side in the end and uh, I'll bring you both in on this one. It was Andy Thanod, who his only goals this year have come in the FA Cup and he scored two goals to sink Cushelton in the end.
2: Yeah, he uh, he scored the goal that actually took them through to uh, the, the first round with a free kick at Hensford in the last round and... and repeated the dose with the first goal of the game from this one a direct free kick just after the half hour to put them ahead uh, Luke Shields then got a second goal within about five minutes I think that pretty much put Boston in control then but then you know nerves got a bit jangly I would imagine in the second half Christy, Christy Patterson scored from close range after a rebound um, and, it, and it took two really late goals from Boston to to put the gloss on it I think 4-1 and uh, we probably might feel a little bit Hard
1: done by By that scoreline I would think Yeah I mean Cash don't really Lose many games By large scores um, they, They've got a goal Difference of plus one Only conceded 19 goals So far this season um, But they are struggling For a goal scorer In the uh, In the Australian Premier League uh, They're missing Harry Otterway who has been out for a Large part of the season Injured um, So again I think it was no Surprise for Boston To win But I'd agree with you Dickie I think I'm a little bit Surprised by the, the
2: Margin of the scoreline Because they're usually Quite a solid side yeah, I think I, I, there's some. I think there's there's highlights of all games available as they are on the BBC website, and um, I think it looked from the certainly the third goal looked like a counter attack. Well, while, while Carl were pressing, it sounded like an exciting second half there as well, from what I can gather. Um, third goal on the counter attack, and then the fourth goal I think just sort of killed it. Really, we talk about the glory of the FA Cup, but of course we mustn't forget about the financial benefits for this one. I think that's seventy thousand pounds in prize money for Boston up to this date. So um, yeah, they're they of directors and club secretary will probably be feeling a lot happier this morning as well.
0: Yeah, and also it help go towards the community stadium, which they're going to move into next season. Now, the next time we're going to look at is Ebsleet against Knotts County. As we mentioned last week, Kevin Watson got given the permanent manager's job at e- e- Ebsleet. So, during the week, I caught up with him to find out how it all came about. We've been trying to get hold of him all week. Finally, we have got hold of him, and he's on the line now. Hello, Kev. Hiya, how you doing? Great, cheers. Um, probably not as good as you, though. I mean, you went in there to assist Gary Hill originally at Ebbsfleet and then you ended up getting a caretaker manager's job um, and now after last Saturday's game you, you were confirmed as a permanent manager just just tell us how it's been since you've got in there.
3: Uh, well it's all happened really pretty to be perfectly honest I mean one minute I've got I was at Hungerford um, as assistant to Ian Herring on uh, Saturday and then by Tuesday I was assistant to Gary Hill and by the following Tuesday um, on Wednesday, should I say, I've been appointed caretaker manager. So all very quick, within a week and a half, really. It's never nice to see somebody lose their job, and especially that person that's actually brought you into the club. Um, totally unexpected that I'd be asked to take the reins, but it's something I've always backed myself to do, always wanted to do. I feel that I've I've done more than an apprenticeship over the last... 10 years being an assistant at four or five different clubs etc and it was something that I I was going to back myself and put myself in the frame for and fortunately up until this point it's gone reasonably well so thoroughly enjoying it and to be made permanent manager on Saturday after the game was um, a real bonus as well.
0: Did you have any inkling that this was going to happen to uh, Gary Hill at all when you went in there?
3: No, all I knew was when Gary took me in he just kept saying you know, that things needed to improve um, that he he thought he, he hadn't much longer if things didn't turn around he was backing himself, I was backing him also um, so when it happened after the Torquay game I'd literally only been there two games, um, it was somewhat of a shock and you know I was disappointed because this guy had given me a chance, he'd taken me from the league below and obviously he'd got recommendations and spoke to people about myself so for him to go after only a week was 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 sad. It was a shame, and you know when Gary addressed the players um, on the Thursday morning, it was emotional. Obviously, they'd been for a lot of the club together over the last 12, 15 months, um, and you never you never ever like to see anybody lose their job in football. And you know, I'd only known Gary a week, but I, I got on well with him in in that time, and funny guy, um, very personable. Hmm very caring honest man. So for him to, to leave under such, such circumstances was disappointing for all.
0: Now you mentioned earlier that you you'd been assistant to Ian Herring at Hungerford. We had Ian on the podcast a couple of weeks ago and he basically backed you to get the job. Just just tell us what you learned at somewhere like Hungerford where the purse strings were really tight. Did it kind of it's prepared you now to go into WebSleet where again they've they've had to cut the budget back a little bit so you've been able to deal with those problems already.
3: Yeah, I mean I mean as as Spud, We all know him as Spud, as Ian would tell you. Um, It's it's not easy at the level below, not easy at Hungerford for sure. Uh, Quite well documented, I think, that it was the lowest budget in the conference itself. Um, He worked, we worked incredibly hard, but more so, Ian. uh, Very dedicated guy. And, you know, I back him again. He's going to be a good manager in time, very good manager. I like his ideas. I like the way he speaks and comes across. So he's almost become one of my best mates in fact I would say he is one of my best mates now we speak still every day he told me it was an opportunity I couldn't pass up um the night I went in on the Tuesday to say goodbye to the lads he, he let me take train and we spoke and we told the lads afterwards emotional emotional evening I, I don't mind telling you there was tears in my eyes couldn't get my words out
0: yeah but
3: as I say he's, he's, he's had that effect on me Hungerford have had that effect on me great club good people um and it was a wrench to leave. But, you know, now I've came in. I've come into Edgefleet. fleet. Um, it's not the Edge fleet that people think anymore with blank checkbooks, if you like. The owner has completely cut that back. I'm not going to say it's a low budget for the league because it's certainly not. The club shouldn't be where they are, which is in the bottom four at the minute, where we find ourselves. We should be in and around mid-table. We'd, we'd take that and that's now, especially now, is where we have to aim for. As I say, we're not, we're not on a shoestring at this club from, from what I can gather and from the, the, the spreadsheets I've got. So we just need to manage it and we need to take the club forward and see how far we can go. The immediate goal, obviously, is to get above the, the line, get out of that bottom four, and then once we get there, we can have another look at it and see where we can go f- from there. But you know, my my ambition and goal at the minute is to get out of the bottom four and once we do get out is um, not go back in there at any stage during the season. So we've, we've narrowed the gap, I think, from seven points to four, which is a lot in five games or four games league games we've had. So, yeah, looking, looking forward to it. I've got good players. I've, I've certainly got good players at this club who, if we manage them the right way, are more than capable of climbing away from trouble.
0: I mean, what's it, so what's the owner like? Because obviously there's this myth he's come over from Kuwait with all his his money and things like that. Is, is, he, is he very hands-on? Do you, do you chat to him a lot?
3: I've had two conversations with him. One, myself and Dave Archer, who's the CEO. We travelled up to London to his offices to speak to him. Um, the day after, Gary was relieved of his duties. Um, and that's when I got handed the reins as interim manager. Originally, it was two or three games, see how you go. That sort of lasted five. And then I had a meeting with him on Saturday after the game. But he seems honest, he's fair, told me what he would like, told me he would like me to build something at the club going forward. He's enjoyed watching the way I've set my teams up, the way we're trying to play. So, yeah, he seems he seems a nice enough guy. I've had two meetings with him. I'm sure I'll have more. He's given me full support, full backing, um, which is good. And if I need anything, he, he he's there to help. So... Yeah, absolutely. I've found him very personable and, and a nice enough fella A couple of times I've met him. Yeah.
0: As you said, because he's scaled back a little bit, is it more a case of focusing a bit more on bringing through like younger players? And because he knows your track record with that hunger for that, that's kind of the route they're going to go down now, and maybe sell a couple on in the future.
3: I think. I think um, at the moment, I don't want to carry too many in a squad because it just means keeping a lot of players happy that are not going to be playing at the minute. I think we've got eighteen that are fit. We've got Cody McDonald and and John Goddard who are coming back to full fitness as well, as well as Aswad Thomas. So at the minute, you know it's it's easier to get out of the the, the spot of bother we're in with men, if you like. I mean, it's all well and good bringing kids through, and I will do that um, in their their ones and their twos. But at the minute, to get out of the the, the issues and the problems we're in, we need we need the established players and. To be perfectly honest, they've stepped up to the plate for me the last f- uh, four or five games, and I've been delighted with them. So um, you know what football's like; it's, it will be some at some point players will move on, and at some point players will come in. But it's getting the right players to to come into the club. It, it doesn't have to necessarily mean they're fantastic individuals. It means they need to fit into the the way I'd like to play, the style I like to play the formation i like to play and more importantly fit into a good dressing room which i have at the minute you know i don't want any any bad apples bad eggs in there because i don't have any at the minute and if if i start to see that the the players will be moved on it's not the way i work um because that will quickly spread and and it, it will need to be sorted out straight away so it's it's all about getting the right characters as well um i've been in many dressing rooms where managers have good managers have have sort of told me that you know you need to have the right people in the right dressing rooms to be successful and 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 i'll be no different
0: kev best of luck and thanks very much for joining us no problem thank you very much and that was kevin watson and (laughs) as always seems to happen once they get the permanent manager's job they can't seem to win uh i think they're unbeaten until he he took over permanently but they took on knots county in the fa cup on saturday and uh Kyle Wutton, he got a couple of goals once again uh, to give Notts County the victory by three goals to two.
2: Yeah, there was some some late drama in that game as well. Um, there was a, an 89th minute equaliser from the penalty spot for Ebswilid. <laughs> and they must have thought perhaps they were taking that one to uh, to a replay. Gozi ugu scoring that goal. But then, um, yeah, Ben Turner scored... In injury time For Nott's County To put them through
1: Yeah and uh, when you talk about Ebsweeds recent improvement As well Let's look at they, They've beaten The two worst teams In the league In Sutton and Chorley and got a Admittedly creditable <laughs> draw Against Chesterfield So um, it, it wasn't as, it, as though They were turning over teams At the top of the league They were uh, proving to be The tallest of the dwarfs In the last couple of weeks
2: <laughs> I like that
0: <laughs> <coughs> But the
2: thing is you know in the context of the situation they find themselves you know that's how often do we say that very often that's enough you know if you get results against, against those teams around you towards the bottom half of the table very often you know the, the ubiquitous six pointers you know they, they they do all have a big influence in the end don't they oh absolutely it's not to denigrate
1: uh, what they were achieving in getting results um you know they, they definitely needed them um, and I've seen uh, Kevin Watson's already started to make his ma- his mark on the squad. He's brought in a few players over the week, I think. Okay, Josh Payne's coming on loan. Oh no, that was earlier, sorry. Tommy Adeloy, uh, Andre Blackman have both come in. Marvel Poteta came in recently as well. So he's putting his mark on the squad. Um, and let's see how he gets on with that.
0: We're having that as the name of the uh, the title of the podcast this week, Thomas of the Dwarf. <laughs> 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 a former National League side in Forest Green took on Billerickie Tom and it... I think, so Forest Green are top of League 2 Billericke, they've had problems as we, know, as we know recently, but they've recently Had a takeover, looking to stabilise things But there were no match in the end For Mark Cooper's side, were they? You know,
1: it's not, not really a huge amount to see here Is there a comfortable victory for uh, Forest Green Rovers Which is exactly what you'd expect on the day um, I think as much as Billericke would have enjoyed The money from continuing in the FA Cup uh, Their priority now Has got to be the league The reality is, they are going to have to fight if they want to keep their playoff place or or maintain a shot at the playoffs really. So, the cup competitions are only ever going to be a distraction for them now that uh, Glenn Tamplin's gone. Um, And of course, speaking of Mr Tamplin, he's been back in the news again this week.
0: He has, yeah. We'll get on to that later on uh, in the National League South Roundup. It's uh, it's caused a bit of rancour, it's fair to say, in Essex. Now, the next game is Maidenhead against... don't take a lot to get ranked in Essex either, so... <laughs> <laughs> the next game we're going to look at is... Uh, we were on form today, Tom, aren't you? Blimey. is uh, <laughs> Maidenhead against Rotherham. It looked like um, it was going to be an upset for a while this one, Tom. They led through Jake Cassidy's goal, then there was a sending off of... Alan Massey and a nine-minute salvo from Rotherham including goals from former National League players in Michael Ihekwe and Freddy Ladapo before Matt Crooks added a third in a nine-minute blast saw off Alan Devonshire's side in the end.
1: He's not just a former non-league player he's also a former Plymouth Argyle player Freddy Ladapo so it was good to see him on the score sheet. In all seriousness how often do we see this when the non-league sides come up against the league side They they have all the adrenaline going they're so uh, super hyped up for the match and they do quite often take an early I've seen it dozens of times across the last few seasons alone um, but then that that class that I think people often talk about the fitness but I think that's sort of going out the window now you know so many of these non-league players are full-time they are fit I know it's not necessarily the case at Maidenhead but you look through the squad I know a lot of them are uh, personal trainers in their in their day jobs and the like so I don't think the fitness is the issue anymore it, but it's that tactical organisation um, these guys in in the Rotherham squad and, and the other football league squads are full time professionals. They've been there, they've done it for years, many of them, and it's that organisation um, that will we'll see them through at the end. And I think that's what we saw for Rotherham yesterday.
0: It was National League South versus National League at Maidstone again for Torquay. Um, you know,
1: I know we all love the advances from the FA Cup, but they're they're. They're going for promotion this season, make no bones about it. They don't need the money. Uh, As far as non-league clubs go, they're they're relatively flush. Um, They are the most in-form club in the National League. And frankly that's where their priority has got to be at the moment So they'll make all the sound bites about being disappointed But for Gary Johnson and his team I think it's business as usual They're two points off the top and they'll look to go again next week
0: Charlie, Dickey, they took on at Mansfield for a while It looked like they were going to get a creditable draw But a late goal from Nicky, from Nicky Maynard saw her off the side Bottom of the National League
2: Yeah it sounds as if Charlie pretty much did what... Um... You know, they've been trying to put it into practice in the National League this season, just trying to keep it tight, ground out another one of those nil nil draws, and possibly get them back to Victory Park for a replay. But yeah, Nicky Maynard put paid to that one. It doesn't sound as if Chorley were, were particularly ambitious in the way they went about the game either, but you know, that that's probably understandable. On the BBC website, Rick so only one effort on target from them during the game, but it nearly paid off. Having said that, you know, Chorley. They, they have got bigger fish to fry. They're uh, in a, a treacherous position down at the bottom of that National League. And, you know, as much as the, yeah. an FA Cup run would be nice and I'm sure it would help the finances, having got themselves into the National League, the priority's got to be staying there. And I think if, if the FA Cup was going to distract from that, um, you know, it's a, that would be a difficult situation for, for manager Jamie Vermiglio. So a bit of, perhaps a bit of a mixed blessing. You know, I guess they'll only know when they get to the end of the season if they don't manage to stay in the national league. Then perhaps they'd say we'd rather have had a cup run, but um, that's how it, how things have worked out in the end. And um, yeah, they just have to take, try and take that into the league now.
1: I've seen, um, I see. I yeah, see. So United's Tundia will be turned down and moved to Chorley in the week uh, to sign a new contract with uh, the Step Three side. Um, clearly, that shows that Jamie Famiglio isn't happy with his options up front. How do you attract a striker who's already scored eleven goals in a season when you don't? Play football that a striker would want to play a part of. You know, the strikers surely don't get chances. Why, if you're playing for an attacking team, even a couple of leagues below, would you want to go to someone where you're just not going to get a chance to shine?
2: Yeah, it's, it's a it's a difficult situation that one for him. I think we touched on it, well, a few weeks ago um, when mentioning Chorley and and saying that you know they needed to, to stay in touch with the teams towards the bottom of the league to give themselves a chance of perhaps getting somebody in in January when, when the window opened, I think they're something like eight or nine points away from safety now. And as you say, Tom, they're, they're not an expansive side. They're, they're just having to sort of try and grind things out and, and get 1-0 wins if they can. In that situation, uh, attracting a forward from a lower division side who perhaps has aspirations of going higher, then uh, one wouldn't be surprised if, if it had, you know somebody had had a quiet word in his ear and said look you just hang on they will be moves to clubs that are perhaps better for you at this point in time than Chorley are that's not to denigrate Chorley but any stretch of the imagination but you know if, if, a, if a young player is thinking of his his career and and where he's going to go next then perhaps not the most attractive options at the moment.
0: Filed. they got their first win under Jim Bentley Dick against and now which side do we know are a tough nut to crack Rob's mate Ryan Crowsdale scored the winner just before half time, but he'll be really pleased with that Jim Bentley. A tricky tie, and he's come out with it with a win and a clean sheet, and into the hat for the next round.
2: Yes, he will. It's 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 mission accomplished for for Fylde. Really, they they're, they're on a uh, a bit of a hiding to nothing, going away to aside from two divisions below, who've who've beaten two. Um, uh, national league north sides in getting there um and certainly beat one of the high flies in national league north in Kings Lynn. so Nantwich town absolutely no mugs um but but so to come through, even by, you know The, the minimum possible scoreline of 1-0 Yeah, that's job done for, for Jim Bentley and, and look to move on to the next one
0: Solihull Moors They had a ball on Saturday Moore. Jimmy Ball He scored four goals He's on loan from Stevenage Former Stockport County man And Paul McCallum got the other goal I think that's his first goal back Since his injury before A late repost Late on from Oxford City 3 Kyron Wiltshire Budder The side down near the bottom of the National League South And he got a bit of a beating, didn't he? Yeah,
2: it a difficult day for, for Oxford City. Obviously, they they parted company with uh, company with manager Mark Jones a couple of weeks ago. Haven't made an appointment in his place yet, and they were facing a Solihull Moors side who were just starting to pick up the, the pace again they've moved back into the playoff places in the National League they've got a lot of firepower as you mentioned there in, in Paul McCallum they've got D- D- Jimmy Ball in on loan as well and, and five goals from the visitors it was 3-0 at half time and, and pretty much game over by that point point. Um, uh, and yeah disappointing for Oxford I'm sure I mean they've, they've gone further in this competition in recent years but um, going out to a, a fellow non-league team is never sort of like the most satisfying way to end a cup one for Oxford, um, or for, for any team, you know. But um, yeah, if they were going to pull out another non-league side, Solihull would probably one of the ones you'd want to avoid. It's the same goal scorer as in last week with uh,
1: Paul McCallum and Jimmy Ball getting the goal. So um, clearly, bringing Jimmy Ball in, if him and if he if he's the person that can get McCallum firing and that partnership will work, then that's gonna you know. Potentially be a real finisher for solid
0: whole season. Stourbridge, they've got, they've had a rich history in recent years in the FA Cup, haven't they, Dicky? They nearly. They nearly knocked easily out But the man we interviewed last week, Scott Rendell He popped up to rescue the Spitfires Four minutes from time But Stourbridge They'll feel like it's a missed opportunity I'm guessing, won't they? I think they will I think I read somewhere that Stourbridge Have
2: reached the first round of the FA Cup In something like six of the last ten years um, Which is a, a, you know, a fantastic achievement for a club Which in that time Hasn't risen any higher than um, You know, Evo stick level but, yeah, they, they they went close again yesterday. They're a renowned cup-fighting side. They were ahead twice. Goals from Aaron Lloyd and Will Grocott. But uh, Tyrone Barnett, he he's a, he started his career in non-league. Certainly had a spell at my team, Telford, very early in his career. He um, got one back, or he equalised for, for Eastleigh. And then, yes, Scott Rendell, that man who's been around knows the game so well at this level and and he's took he's uh, responsible for getting the replay next week
0: final game of Saturday's roundup was an absolute thriller at the Bescott Stadium struggling Walsall in League two against Darlington and for a long time Darlington were leading Walsall were down to ten men as well former Stourbridge man Dan Scar sent off then Walsall scored two in three minutes and it looked like it was going to be heartbreak for Darlington until in the 97th minute, Joseph Wheatley, how, how's your luck? He uh, he scored an equaliser before. Darlington also went down to 10 men in the midst of that as well and uh, there was so much to, uh, to admire in this game, Dickie. Uh, well, I had a look at it this morning There's, There were three minutes of
2: highlights on the BBC website And I don't think anybody who was there Would think that three minutes could do this game justice To be perfectly honest um, Omar Holness put Darlington Hen after 17 minutes Looked like a you know really well taken goal as well um, And then from then on It, 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 it just sort of chaotic, frenetic, exactly what you'd want from an FA Cup tie Um, Wes McDonald for Walsall, put one off the crossbar Rory Gaffney, former Salford City player, missed the rebound from that Um, and then Wheatley had another effort saved Adibayo missed from six yards from Walsall. That's an astonishing miss if you get a chance to see that one. And at that point, Darlington must have thought, you know, their look's going to be in. Maybe even more so when Scar got sent off, as you mentioned, a former Stourbridge player. But then in the last few minutes, it looked as if, you know, the cup was going to be a cruel mistress. Uh, Keelan Lavery equalised, Liam Connell couldn't hold a low shot. And then Connell, who's just come back to Darlington alone from South Shields for the rest of the season. Didn't cover himself in glory. Pretty much looked like he punched an Alfie Bates corner into his own net from a corner, um, and they perhaps thought that that was it. There, that Walsall thought they'd you know ridden their luck. But um, yeah, Ben Headley then dismissed in the 90th minute, weakly equalised in the 97th. Um, a crazy, crazy game. And I have to say, if the TV companies are looking for a replay to cover, which I'm sure they will, I don't think they'll be looking much further than Blackwell Meadows, probably a week on Wednesday for, for Darlington against Walsall. It's set up to be a, a, a terrific game.
0: Oh yeah, I think oh, yeah. I've po- I put on the WhatsApp group about five minutes from the end. Uh, five minutes after it finished, said that is that's definitely got BT Sport replay written all over it. There, hasn't it? Oh yes, you would think
2: so. I mean, you know, uh, I had a quick word with um, a friend of mine, Craig Stoddard, who covers Darlington for the Northern Echo this morning, and he just sort of like said it was a a, a crazy, crazy day. You know, just such. Uh, emotions you know swinging back and forth to be fair he said warsaw did have an awful lot of chances and didn't take them so there was a bit of a concern that perhaps maybe yesterday was darlington's chance but you know i'm sure the tv companies will be interested in in seeing them have a second bite of the cherry and and you know the people at Darlington, with it being a fan owned club as well they, they 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 proudly talk about how much money you know as, as a fan-owned club that they've been able to generate for the football club but seventy five thousand pounds tv fee for them from one game you know is almost as much as they they talk about raising in you know a number of seasons so it will make a huge difference to darlington
0: as we record the full-time whistles are blowing uh, across the country in the first round of the FA Cup but there was an early kick-off on the Sunday and on Saturday I was watching my team at Lancaster City and I only bumped into big fan of the podcast and Dover fan Karen Barry and I got her thoughts about the game that they were going to play on Sunday against Southend So I'm here at uh, Lancaster and it's funny you bump into but we've bumped into probably the number one fan of the podcast Karen Barry who's a Dover fan and she's always more me asking me when the podcast is coming out and uh, she's come she's come up to see today, Hello, Karen. Hello. A bit of a treat for you, but in terms of um, it's the FA Cup this weekend, Dover still in it, aren't they? And uh, probably as we record this podcast, they are kicking off. Uh, they played South End. Uh, South End have been absolutely pants this year, though.
4: Well, we, we're not looking to, too much forward to it because we're at home and we're not very good at home. We're better away, so <laughs> maybe we should reverse the tie. <laughs> So. Well, it's it's i telling
0: me, Dover have done all right this year since Hess has gone back in there. You, you, you've, you're have you just in and around the playoffs, aren't you? Just below the playoffs, aren't
4: you? We're getting better of late, so fingers crossed we'll be up there at the end of the season, but come tomorrow, FA Cup, who knows? So definitely, looking forward to it.
0: You were just saying you're worried, because we're on tell against Yeovil next Saturday, aren't you? You're worried for that because your best player, Ricky Modest, is away on international duty, isn't he?
4: Yeah he's away with Grenada So good luck to him there But solely missed in our team (laughs) Big hole to feel when he's not there So you've not just made
0: a special trip up Because obviously you are based in the north west But how many Dover games do you get to Especially like home games then
4: Oh, I try and get it back to Kent every single month if I can, at least once if not twice so I so love watching them especially in the National League, I was a bit worried last season when they were near the bottom yeah. I was like, please don't get relegated
0: How, How's the transition been since Andy Hessenthal has come in, because obviously he went full time and he's brought that professionalism in now hasn't he?
4: last season we were absolutely magical once we started to get to know what we were doing and find our way under Hess this season we're about mid-table and we're doing okay so fingers crossed we're in playoffs at the end of the season it's been tough coming in I think for him and lots of our players are all London based so getting players is always hard for us
0: enjoy watching it on telly I know you'll be watching it on on BT Sport against uh, Southend I think you've got a chance in that but uh, yeah and then we'll watch you against Yeovil and and comment on it and continue to uh, support the
4: the podcast oh
0: certainly will <laughs> and that was karen and we got a photo with a dover scarf she gave me a dover badge and everything and uh, she was squealing by the end of the game today because they have pulled off an upset although south end have been really really poor this season in league one sol campbell's just gone in as manager but it was a winner tom by rule Satorio, who's on loan from lake Orient, and it's dover who go into the next round
1: yeah, great result. And, uh, you know, irrespective of whether South are sort of in the doldrums a bit at the moment, what a result for Dover. Um, and also, you know, Raw Sotirio came in this week on loan for Dover. Um, and uh, maybe maybe Leighton Orient could have done with his FA Cup goal scoring as they're potentially just about to uh, probably go through the shock of the round as they're 2 1 down to Molden and Trip, Tiptree in the last few moments of uh, added time.
0: That's finished.
1: Fantastic. Molden
2: um, and Tiptree won that one?
0: Yeah, Jerome Slew, brother of Jordan, uh, scored the uh, scored the second goal in that. Uh, Malden and Tiptree ended uh, with ten men. They were playing with ten men for the last six minutes, and despite James Dayton getting a consolation back, it was uh, late. Knowing he went out, but late knowing you've got a lot of uh, that team who won the national league, and, and they're managed now by Plymouth Argyle legend Carl Fletcher. Yeah,
1: legend, strong, strong. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Former Plymouth Argyle player, Carl Brett Fletcher. But um, yeah, what a result for modern Tintyre! You know they're having a fantastic season Um, into the second round of the FA Cup. They're second in the league, having won eight from eight. Um, They've only played eight because they've had so many cup games. They're still in the FA Trophy. They've got folks in Invicta next. You know what an incredible season they're
2: having. Yeah, it looks as if from this as well That they've done it with uh, being down to 10 men as well With um, uh, Their goal scorer was actually sent off later on in the game For two yellow cards <laughs> Fair play Yeah, so I, was, I, I have to say as well I did a little bit of reading on them in the week um, You know, Tip Tree is the home of the famous um, Wilkin Preserves factory But it doesn't sound like there was anything jammy About that victory today Oh, <laughs> oh I had to, I'm sorry <laughs> I had to do it Their nickname is The Jammers To be honest Which is I absolutely love I read that in the week And thought I've got to get
0: that In somewhere To be fair Dick Your your jokes are like Marmite So there we go (laughs) Thank you very much indeed (laughs) Stop firing him up (laughs) Barnett had this, probably the story of the FA Cup last year. They had a great run, didn't they, to the fourth round last year, knocking out Sheffield United on the way. I don't know whatever happened to Sheffield United. Their season went uh, up the swanny, didn't it? <laughs> but they couldn't progress past the first round this year. They've, uh, they've lost by two goals to nil, to nil to Joey Barton's Fleetwood. Yeah, that's perhaps uh, you know
2: a, a less surprising result. You know, asking asking Lightning to strike twice and for Barnet to have another cup run on the back of the run they had last year is, is, uh, you know, it doesn't happen that often. And it looks as if Fleet would have, um, it's taken a a second goal in the 90th minute, I think, to make that game safe there. But uh, ultimately, it's, it's not a surprise to see Fleet would progress.
0: Tom Bromley have had a tricky few weeks haven't they in the National League but they're still up there and they got a fantastic draw at Bristol Rovers Chris Bush scoring 7 minutes from time to earn a replay and, and they'll fancy themselves in that replay again another game that could be on TV
1: yeah they will um, let's not forget as well like one of the big advantages that some of the uh, non-league clubs will have in these replays um, is the uh, the benefit of a three, uh, 4G pitch Bristol Rovers won't play on them they probably train on them they've probably got one of them available there but a actual ninety minutes of competitive action on a uh, an artificial surface is not something those players were used to. So can Bromley take advantage? of, You know, we all know the ball bounces differently and it's harder on the knees, etc. So
2: can Bromley take advantage of that? It'll be interesting to see. And you know, there's also the fact that with the draw for the second round taking place tomorrow, that any of these teams you've you've got replays coming up. You know, they they see what's in front of them then, you know, the the prize is a bit more certain and they know what, you know, who they might potentially be facing in the second round and that's going to inspire players, you know, in 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 a replay situation, I would have thought. Yeah, absolutely.
0: A game which I thought might have been on TV, um, but the TV companies didn't pick it. And probably shows uh, what I know is it was chipping They were at home to Northampton, a potential banana skin, but Northampton did really well in the end to win by three goals to nil. Gets a Chippenham side. You don't concede many, but don't score many either, Tom. Yeah, not going to get
1: anything to add on that. There, I, I, to be honest, I think that's that's one that doesn't really need discussion. Fair
0: enough. <laughs> Com- yeah, Com- three
2: Northampton. What do you expect? <laughs> yeah, three nil to half time at half time. To Northampton, so you know that one was pretty much done and dusted by, by 45 minutes worth of, of action.
0: Yeah, another potential upset that I thought might happen, Dickie, was Gates said uh, they played Oldham Athletic, who are really struggling in League Two, despite bringing in Dean Marmia recently. And they were behind at half time, Gates said, before Liam Agnew equalised. But a late goal and the 77th the minute from Johnny Smith has, has seen Oldham avoid the potential banana skin at the International Stadium. Yeah, they have. I mean, it, it
2: did look to be set up, um, you know, for an, a potential upset there. Gateshead's home form has been exceptionally good in, in recent weeks, although I think they um, that took a bit of a battering in a, a recent league game there. But, yeah. Um, Yeah, Liam Agnew's goal, not enough. Um, I've seen the goal on the television, uh, a nice strike from him. I think he's on loan from Harrogate Town and that got them back to 1-1. But uh, yeah, Oldham have have had enough to see that one out and and Gates said we'll have to Straight on the lead now, as they say. Although, of course, there is an FA Trophy draw coming for, for all of these National League North and South sides tomorrow, so um, a, a potential and and maybe more realistic route of getting to Wembley, opening up for them.
0: People look at it and say it's a shot, but when you look at what's gone on at Macclesfield over the last week, maybe it, it isn't quite. Because basically, Macclesfield Town players, the first team squad, and the backroom staff have gone on strike over unpaid wages. Now, the game against Kingstonian was in doubt; it has gone ahead. Away, Kingstonian were away at Macclesfield, and he won by four goals to nil. But just looking at the Macclesfield lineup, it is a very young lineup. But I suppose Tom as well, despite the massive division difference, Kingstonian is still a great result for him to go there and win.
1: Hundred percent, yeah. You know, I saw a few things on Twitter from some of the Kingstonian players and and supporters before the game. Um, There's one supporter, Ollie Underwood. We've had him on the podcast before. Who's saying, you know, don't uh, don't get too excited about the fact it's just kids it's a football match against the football league side um, if anything Kingstonian are probably lucky it was away actually because they failed to win any of their five home games this season but uh, but taken nine points from seven games on the road so if
2: being an away fixture all the way up in Macclesfield as far away from Kingston as you can really get Probably help Yeah and and touching On that from a Macclesfield perspective Well obviously You know they're a League team now I think I've read That there is the Possibility um, of Sanctions against Them for fielding And strength side If that's what the FA decide um, Which could even Extend to them Being barred from Taking part in the FA Cup next season So uh, there's potentially a really big story, um, you know, emblematic of a lot of the struggles that teams have in the lower end of the football league going on there with Macclesfield. I know there were issues last season with some former players bringing a winding up order against them for for unpaid wages. So there's you know there's there's big issues there and. and you know, but it, it must. In all of this, the people you feel sorry for at Macclesfield Town are the fans, because you know none of this is their fault. You know they've seen their team go out of the FA Cup today—a uh, pretty humbling experience—and and they've got to be a bit nervous about what the future holds.
0: Yeah, we could have another bye situation next season, but it's goodbye to Macclesfield for this season. A team who hopefully won't be wanted to say goodbye A Rex, and they got a nil-nil draw at home to Rochdale. And Rochdale have been going uh, really, really well in the cup competitions this season and, and, and in the league as well. And uh, really interesting result, that. And that's not a foregone conclusion, that replay, is it, Dickie?
2: Uh, no, it isn't. I mean, say, Wrexham's form, as we know, in the National League, we've, we've spoken about it um, pretty much every week on, on this podcast, in that they're, they're not pulling up any trees at all. But um, it sounds as if they had chances this afternoon uh, and, and could have possibly won this tie. They've got a replay now. They've, they've had a quite a good recent history in the FA Cup as well. I think I remember them getting to something like the third or fourth round against Stoke City a number of years previously. So, who knows? You know, an FA Cup sequence like this could be just the spark that Wrexham perhaps looking for to sort of get their league form heading in the right direction. You know, you know good results, victories, however they come, whatever competition they come in are, are good um, and, and can can help point a team in the right direction.
0: Uh, I'll hand over to you for this one, Dickie. It finished York nil, Ulster one. A bit of a surprise, considering both sides' league form. As much as Steve Watson had wanted to do well, I'm guessing he has got one eye in the league. And do you think he'll be overly disappointed? I
2: think he probably. Well, I think initially he'll, he'll express disappointment for sure. I think York would have would have liked to, to progress in this, but but it's not to be. Uh, is it a surprise? Absolutely, it is because um, you know no team's been able to beat York City in uh in the National League North itself, but a National League North side have been able to beat them in the FA Cup and that's exactly what Altrincham have done. A goal from Tom Piers, eight minutes from time, uh enough there to, to put them through. Um and yeah, I mean that's also potentially a boost for Altringham. Again, they're not pulling up any trees in the National League North. They're they're closer to the bottom of the table than the top, which isn't where they expected to be after, you know, looking to kick on from being in the playoff places last year so um, just maybe that's helping to to get a bit of momentum for altering i'm led to believe there was a, an andy bond missed penalty or a penalty saved in that game certainly as well tony thompson the altering goalkeeper um keeping his effort out from um, from 12 yards and yeah absolutely that's a surprise But but congratulations to Alteringham They've got really Strong And, and um, You know Glorious history In the FA Cup As giant killers And who knows Perhaps they're on the path To doing that again
0: And the one remaining tie On Sunday uh, As we record It's currently Hazing getting nil Oxford United Of League 1-1 they are leading by a goal to nil there. The final tie, which will take place tomorrow after the FA Cup second round draw, is, is Harrogate at home to Portsmouth. And Portsmouth have have underwhelmed a little bit this season in League One. And Harrogate, as you mentioned before, Dickie, and, and I think Tom mentioned it as well, at the 3G pitch, and uh, that's going to be a really interesting tie, isn't it?
2: Oh yeah, it's set. That's a perfect Monday night FA Cup tie for the TV cameras. Um, Harrogate's ground at Weatherby Road is a is a lovely little compact ground, as you say, with a with a 3G pitch. Um, that the place will be absolutely packed. I'm sure of it. Um, and Harrogate, on top of that, are in very very good form. They've stormed up the National League North table towards the playoff places after a, a bit of an indifferent start. And and. You know, Portsmouth are going to have to go there with with the right attitude if they're going to come away with anything. You know, whether that be uh, a victory or or taking them back to Fratton Park for a replay. I mean, I'm sure Harrogate would um, would happily take. Or not happily, it depends on the circumstances of the game, but you know, a replay would be would be a pretty good result for Harrogate but I'm sure they'll be fancying a bit more than
0: that. That is the FA Cup wrapped up for this podcast. We're gonna look at league action now, and there was one game in the National League, it was Stockport County against Dagenham and Redbridge, and Stockport leapfrogged Dagenham by winning a goal to nil with a last minute goal from Niall Bell. And after the game, Chris, you can't be with us this week caught up with the Dagenham and Redbridge manager Peter Taylor.
5: John, but with Peter Taylor, Peter, that must be bitterly disappointing today because you, you were in that game, weren't you? Yeah, I, think, I think a draw would have been a very fair result, if I was to be honest with you. I think that um, uh, Jim's got a very organised team here. They're always going to cause you problems. But I felt as though we created enough chances as well. But unfortunately, we didn't take them. But I felt that was the way that the, that the game was going. It was, gonna, it, it was heading for a draw. But uh, uh, Stockport managed to get a goal in the last, last minute. Yeah, I mean it came in the most traditional ways, wasn't it? It was, this, it was a corner and a, and a header. Could, could you have done anything better there, do you think? Well, uh, there's no doubt about it. When you defend set pieces, you've got to try and get the first touch. And if you don't get the first touch, you're in trouble. Uh, and uh, for us, their man got the first touch, so, uh, so we were struggling a bit there. But, uh, but it was little things just before that that, to me, we shouldn't have even been defending a corner at that particular time. Peter, in the context of your season, you're sort of mid table. How's, how's it looking? I know you lost the last few games. Um, where do we go from here? Um, well, before, uh, before the Carl Shulton FA Cup defeat, I was saying that the season was going very well and we were very pleased with things. Since then, we've had a couple of little injuries that have hurt the team the way that we play uh, and we've now lost our last three league matches. So now we need some characters in the building because uh, you know it's not going to be such a happy place coming in training when you lose matches, but we've got to work hard. We've got to work very, very hard
0: together uh, to bounce back.
5: Best luck for the rest of the season Thanks for your time Peter
0: And that was Peter Taylor And and Tom do you think He'll be under pressure a little bit They didn't have a great start Then they have picked up And now they've kind of They've slipped again As he said since Because beat them In the FA Cup Just over a month ago And dagging them down in 15th And they're not really getting A return on their investment At the minute are they? No
1: they're not And they did An investment's a good word to use Because they did put money Into the squad in the summer Um, They have backed Peter Taylor um, And given him the players That he wants Um, and I think one of the indicative things when you look at the league table is um, how is their form relative to the team below them Um, and it's much worse frankly Um, only Chorley and Sutton United have been worse form than Dagenham and Redbridge um, over the last 10 matches they've lost three on the bounce Um, you know they're not getting hammered they're losing by the odd goal every time, basically. But just because it's not hammering doesn't mean you get any points. That's something that they need to change.
0: We're going to look now at the National League South. There were five games that took place, but only four finished. Haven't Waterlooville. Haven't and Waterlooville were 2-0 up against Slough. Two goals from Junior Ayunga, But from what I've read there, the weather heavens... Um, Weren't kind on having it in the end, and that game was abandoned. But I know a result you, really, that really stood out for you, Tom, was Braintree, who, who lost Gre- Glenn Driver during the week. Uh, they went to Hemel Hempstead and won by three goals to nil. And a bit of a surprising managerial departure, first of all, but they've responded well, haven't they?
1: Um, yeah, they did. Uh, they responded very well. I mean, um, Braintree Town, ever since Brad Quinton left, they, they've chopped and changed managers a few times. They never really settled on anyone in the na- their National League season. Um, and I was quite impressed with the job Glen uh, Driver was doing. Rather, um, I, I expected Braintree to struggle this season. However, even after four games without a win, they're still around the playoff spots. You know that victory yesterday against Hemel, which you know certainly was unexpected. That victory yesterday keeps them in the, in the bottom playoff spot. So that's higher than I thought Braintree would be at this stage of the season. Um, and I don't know what's going on behind the scenes with with Glenn Driver. Maybe there's just something about the setup at the club he wasn't happy with because uh, in terms of their performance under him, um, I think Braintree are pretty much bang where they should be, possibly even a little bit higher, especially when you consider the change in players they've had over the season. You know, Braintree lost an entire squad in the summer. Um, I think they they kept maybe two or three players um, from last season. Very, very few. Um, Just looking at my spreadsheet, they brought in 20 players since the start of the summer.
0: Yeah, that's a lot to gel And and like you say, they're doing it They had a a slow start to the season But they're actually lying in 7th place Now, after that result on Saturday Just above them are Hemel Who have slipped down the table And jumping up into 2nd place Are Weymouth and Tom, did you see them doing this well? They started off the season brilliantly. They scored two goals in a space of three minutes through Josh McQuaid, Josh McQuaid, McQu- Josh McQuide and Ben Thompson before a late goal from Jefferson Louis on about his millionth club got a goal back for Hampton and Richmond. But Weymouth up into second. I think
1: I think you know Luke that I didn't predict them to do this well because I got hammered by a lot of Weymouth fans on the old Twitter for it. <laughs> um, now. I'm delighted to see them doing this well. Um, it's always great when a promoted side comes up and, and you know smashes things, as both they and Dorking are doing. To be fair, um, it sounds like it was a, you know pretty tight game down there. Um, looking at the non-league paper, they gave their man of the match to um, Charlie Wasmer, So it's good to see him getting game time uh, at Hampton and Richmond Borough. He's had a, a horrible couple of seasons with injury and going on at Bitteric Town. Um, but yeah, Weymouth um, conversely done the exact opposite of what Biliriki Town did. Um, they lost a couple of key players, such as Brandon Goodship, in the summer, but they kept a pretty consistent squad. They've strengthened where they can, they've used their relationships with Bournemouth, brought in four players on loan from there, um, and they are looking really, really strong. Um, in terms of the match yesterday, it sounds like um, if, if you sort of na- napped off for 10 minutes, you'd have missed everything, as all the goals fell between the 52nd and 59th minutes. Um, but another really important win for Weymouth.
0: Do many people fall asleep at football matches nowadays? I don't know. I don't know anyone who's done it. Do you? I can fall asleep at Premier League matches these days. It's (laughs) absolutely awful watching that stuff. Yeah, true, true. A lot of the top teams were involved in the National League South on Saturday. Bath, they went up to fifth position. They got a good win over Concord Rangers by three goals to one. Three different scorers, Adam Mann, Noah Chilvers and Tom Smith scored uh, for Bath with Tom Clifford who's on loan from Southend replying for Concord but Bath they've been in and around the playoff places for a while but now they're in them Tom they'll be wanting to stay there
1: yeah 100% Um, I think Bath would have expected a uh, a playoff place this season Um, they were being talked about by a few observers myself included as potentially dark horses for a title push Um, I think given the, the relative strength of some of the other clubs. This is, in my opinion, the strongest National League South I've seen in two or three seasons. Um, I think a title run was always going to be possibly just beyond them. Um, I worried from a little bit when Tyler Harvey left recently. I thought he could have been the man to score the goals to propel them up the table. Um, but really, Tom Smith has been absolutely key for them. Um, they had him in on loan from Cheltenham Town last season. They signed him permanently this year, and he's just been a revelation in the field. Um, so, a really, another good win for Bath. Um they are, as you say, quietly motoring up the table And again, as you say, a lot of the top teams Are in action this week One of the teams who were conspicuous by their absence Is Wilson um, And despite the fact that Weymouth and Bath won Wilson are still seven points clear At the top with the game in hand Um, It really is just indicative of how strong Their start to the season has been
0: And the final game we're going to look at today Is, well we we teed it up early didn't we Uh, Chelmsford City against Darkin and uh, Mr Tamplin's Been sniffing around Chelmsford And in the end they drew 2-2 With Darkin, Sam Higgins and Sean Jeffers scoring there For Chelmsford with Sam Baird and Tom Richards scoring the goals for Darkin. But yeah, it sounds like Mr Tamplin wants to get involved in Chelmsford. And I noticed a, a statement from the chairman. He, he was rebuffed very strongly there by the chairman at, at Chelmsford.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, John Holmes was, gave that very short shrift, as it deserves, to be honest. Um, Glenn Tamplin, I mean, we all know what he is and what he wants out of football. And that's to massage his ego, in my opinion. Um he didn't get what he wanted at Billericay Town. He said himself that he invested £2 million and they just couldn't make it up to the Football League. Well, maybe part of that was because you kept sacking your manager and chopping and changing the squad every five minutes. Um, and frankly, if I was a fan of any club in the Essex area and I heard that Glenn Tamplin was, involved, was looking at being involved, I'd be very nervous. Um, so the right thing by John Holmes to come out and make a very clear, definitive statement that uh, Mr Tamplin is not going to be invited to partake in the running of Chelmsford. We're
0: going to look now at the National League North. As, as we heard earlier, York are in FA Cup action, getting beaten by Alchingham, which meant Chester and Kingsland could take advantage. Now, during the week, Dickie, Kingsland went to and got a fantastic 4-2 result, and he won again on the road at Bradford Park Avenue on Saturday after falling behind, in a game that kicked off late. Chester, they won by three goals to nil against Alverton, so it's been a good day for the chasing pack. Kingsland more so.
2: Yes, it has and um I think that both of those wins for Kings Lynn the last week probably say quite a lot for the character it, it that they've got in their side. Um they think they trailed twice at Killerminster before going on to win four two. And exactly the same situation at Bradford Park Avenue yesterday. Went a goal down, really, uh, well, 17 minutes from Lewis Knight, gave Avenue the lead. Uh, Adam Marriott headed an equaliser just on the hour. But then Ollie Johnson, uh, a player very well known to Bradford Park Avenue fans and, and various others in the Yorkshire area, he's gone back to Bradford with Mark Bauer returning to the club. He put Avenue ahead. Adam Marriott scored again on 82 minutes to make it two each. And then an injury time winner from Sonny Carey gave Kings Lynn all three points. That lifts them to 32 points. They're only four points behind York, who do admittedly now have a game in hand again because of their involvement in the FA Cup this weekend. But yeah, Kings Lynn keeping the pressure on. Chester, they did exactly the same thing. They were um, home to Alfredton Town in a, what sounded like a fairly routine 3-0 victory. Um, that puts them in third place there, just five behind York now goals from Simon Grand and Danny Livesey two defenders chipping in with goals and then a late one from Danny Elliott to to put the icing on the cake that was Chester's first win in six matches actually um, although they've had four draws in that sequence as well so they've not quite been collecting um the, the maximum points from the, in the last few games but they've stayed in touch um, and it's a third defeat in a row for Alfreton, and they've lost five of their last six so they're sort of dropping away um, towards mid-table now after
0: a really promising start. I put this on the WhatsApp group during the week, Dickie. Can we consider Lynn as genuine title contenders?
2: When you asked me that question, I and mean, you put that on earlier in the week, I wasn't sure, but I have to say, on the basis of the two results they've got this week and the circumstances in which they've got them, I'd have to say yes. Because, um, you know, it's, it it isn't a fluke to to come through and win games like those. I know Kidderminster aren't quite the side they were in National League North, but they led. It's It's a... It's a really horrible cross country journey to Kidderminster on a Tuesday night, and they've gone there and they've done the business, and they've done exactly the same thing at, at Bradford yesterday. You know, an injury time winner. I think we only, I was only talking yesterday to somebody about, um, you know, we always used to say about Manchester United getting, you know, last minute winners and Fergie time and that kind of thing. But generally speaking, that isn't luck. That is teams who, you know, have. That belief And have that belief That they can still Get something out of games Even when You know The, 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 the dying seconds are, are, are ticking around In a game And it looks as if Lynn have got that
0: Yeah A team yeah. who Bounced up The league recently I spent him After a slow start Which Jason Ainsley Alluded to in his post-match interview yesterday They beat Southport by a goal to nil They're still behind Southport by two points But they do have a game in hand Farsley and Geisley also played on Saturday They're in the last two remaining playoff spots We'll come to their results shortly But really good win for Spennymore And it was that man Glenn Taylor again
2: Yeah it was um, a one nil win for Spennymore And uh, you know if, if you were going to say to me Spennymore win a game 1-0 And he gets the goal you'd, you'd put your money on it being Glenn Taylor He's, he's a game breaker He's um, you know arguably the best number nine in this division and he's done it again for them yesterday uh, just one defeat in their last 10 for spenny more they've won five of their last six and absolutely roared up the table and yeah i think we said very early on when they they had a bit of a stuttering start that there was too much quality in the Spennymoor side for them to stay down there for long and that's been proven by recent results
0: Farsley, as I said, they stay in sixth position. Surprising result, though, on Saturday. Drew 1-1 with Gloucester. They took a first-minute lead through Dave Sayers, but then Sam Avery equalised on the 18th minute, and and then nothing else happened in the second half, so a bit of a mundane game there at the Throstled Nest. It sounds
2: that way. It's a a little bit of a stutter for Farsley. I think they'd lost two going into this game having won five straight before that one so you know i'm sure that's not to adam lakeland's liking he would have you know wanted more points from those games absolutely he would but you know that's the kind of thing that happened and it's how you bounce back from them um Farsley I think probably would have fancied getting all three points against uh, Gloucester yesterday but you know Gloucester are not anybody's fools in this division Uh, I think they're in 13th place sitting on 22 points so you know they're comfortably away from the the real mess towards the bottom of the division and um, yeah
0: a good point for them. Guysley, as I said, are in the last playoff spot, but they didn't have a great day against Kettering. A bit of a subplot there, Paul Cox, Going back to Geyser for the first time since leaving him, there was some pretty interesting comments in the programme as well, which was highlighted by John Dunham on Twitter on Saturday evening. But it was a case of get Carter for Catherine, as it was two goals from Joel Carter gave them the win. And that man, Aaron Martin, scored a consolation, and I think he's the top scorer across the all nine divisions so far um, in in England. He's a top scorer in England, basically. Yeah, I couldn't track down um,
2: how many Aaron Martins on there, I probably was going to ask Tom, but I think it's something like 16 for the season there, which I think, it, it, was it something like a two-division step-up that he made to this level? Mm, yeah. Um, so, you know, he's he's doing terrifically well, but um, yeah, it wasn't enough yesterday, it was a injury-time consolation goal, Carter's two-goal, for Kettering giving them a, um, an unlikely win but they're certainly getting some bounce from having appointed Paul Cox as you say there were some, some comments in the programme which um, I think Paul Cox actually referred to in his post-match interview saying he, he felt there was a bit of a, a lack of class um, from from Guiseley in, in those comments being made but uh, he, he, he's you know made them choke on their words a little bit there with a 2-1 with win um, and that's back-to-back victories for Kettering and all of a sudden they're, they're off You know, away from the bottom of the table, they're up to 19th, um, which, you know, they're by no means out out of difficulty, but as I said, they're getting that bounce that they wanted from the appointment of Paul Cox.
0: And the final game in the National League, North. Can we call that a relegation battle, Dickie? <laughs> uh, we might have to soon.
2: No, no I, really, I really don't think so. I was, I was hoping you might forget about this one. But yes. No, we, we have to give credit to Kurs and Ashton here and speak about them getting their first win in 12 games, their first win since August. Unfortunately, it came um, against my own team, AFC Telford United. Um, there might be some debate about the the, the merits of, of how they got their victory, but they got their victory, you know, and that's, that's ultimately all that matters. Um, Telford led an own goal from um, Mo Ali, the uh, the Curzon National central defender. But Curzon uh, were level within ten minutes from the penalty spot. Um, Rob Evans, is, his absence from Curzon has actually coincided with this this terrible run of form. Um, I think he has suffered from a broken ankle, but he's back. Uh, back in the side, he, he won a penalty yesterday that Sean Miller converted. And then um, in the second half, I, you know, with my Telford hat on, I do have to say that if anybody looked more likely to win it, he was going to be Telford, although they didn't absolutely dominate the game. But then a bit of late pressure from Curzon, a couple of corners, and then, you know, a really unfortunate um, error Matt Yates, the Telford goalkeeper, collides with one of his own defenders after having caught the ball, drops it at the feet of Andy Halls, and he just tucks it into an open net. And um, yeah, pandemonium broke out. I uh, say so there was delirium amongst the 340 and so at the ground, but certainly not from the Telford fans. But uh, yeah, Curzon celebrated that one. Um, really celebrated that one but that's understandable you know they've been on such a a dreadful run um, to get something from a game where it looked like it was heading for a draw is um, you know it could be a big turning point for them
0: yeah listen out of the relegation zone above Blythe Spartans who didn't play on Saturday Bradford they slipped to bottom after that defeat against Kings Lynn well Tom thanks for joining us always a pleasure Dickie thank you very much for joining us you're very welcome Luke and don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and Spotify. Thank you very much for joining us for what seems like a bumper podcast this week. So if you stayed with us to the very end, thank you very much for that. Don't forget to follow us as well on Twitter, at an L full Time. I've been Luke Edwards, and until next week, thank you very much for joining us.